Uh, Folks, we're starting a new series today. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Jeremiah? It's literally right after the book of Isaiah where we've been here this summer. And we start a new series that will take us here into our fall launch. Um, So we'll be in the book of Jeremiah here for um, a good month. And uh, we begin things here starting in Jeremiah chapter 1 with this message simply entitled, My Will or Thy Will. (laughs) And uh, to walk you through this a little bit, as I was going through this passage and seeing the call of God on Jeremiah's life and the things that God was asking Jeremiah to do, there's a certain point where Jeremiah has to make a decision. Am I going to do things my way? Or am I going to listen and am I going to obey God and do what He's asking me to do? And I think that very question is applicable for all of us here in this room. You know, over 2,500 years later, here we are, and we can ask that same question. Do you want to do things your way or do you want to do things God's way? I believe that is an applicable question and a challenging question question that confronts us. And so there are a couple things we're going to walk through today that will um, kind of lead a response for all of us and challenge us a little bit, but I think it's okay to be challenged, isn't it? And so as we go to the Lord and His Word, I'm going to pray to begin this message, so would you please join me as we prepare our hearts to receive from the Word. Father, we thank You for this time together in your spirit-inspired word. And Lord, I'm asking for your help in delivering this message today. I ask that your spirit would bless this time. And Lord, the things that you've put upon my heart to share here to this body, I ask, Lord, that you would please anoint this time. Use it. Help us to be ready to receive and respond to your word. And we thank you for this now in Christ's name. Amen. All right, Jeremiah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, These are the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests from the town of Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. The Lord first gave messages to Jeremiah during the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. The Lord's messages continued throughout the reign of King Jehoiakim, Josiah's son, until the eleventh year of the reign of King Zedekiah, another of Josiah's sons. In August of that eleventh year, the people of Jerusalem were taken away as captives. Now, if you remember in the Isaiah series, Isaiah even predicted these things as well, and Jeremiah is going to predict the coming captivity uh, as well. But here in verse 4, Jeremiah says, The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. Well, the Lord replied, Don't say I'm too young. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I have put my words in your mouth. 
Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. Then the Lord said to me, Look, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I replied, I see a branch from an almond tree. And the Lord said, That's right. And it means that I am watching, and I will certainly carry out all my plans. Then the Lord spoke to me again and asked, What do you see now? And I replied, I see a pot of boiling water spilling from the north. Yes, the Lord said, for terror from the north will boil out on the people of this land. Listen, I am calling the armies of the kingdoms of the north to come to Jerusalem. I, the Lord, have spoken. They will set their thrones at the gates of the city. They will attack its walls and all the other towns of Judah. I will pronounce judgment on my people for all their evil, for deserting me and burning incense to other gods. Yes, they worship idols made with their own hands. So get up and prepare for action. Go out and tell them everything I tell you to say. Do not be afraid of them, or I will make you look foolish in front of them. For see, today I have made you strong like a fortified city that cannot be captured, like an iron pillar or a bronze wall. You will stand against the whole land, the kings, officials, priests, and people of Judah. They will fight you, but they will fail. For I am with you, and I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. All right, let's begin to walk through this, do a little bit of unpacking of this passage. And I think it's important to gain a little bit of context here to get to know Jeremiah a little bit. We're launching into this series. Let's understand who it is we're talking about with this prophet and also uh, the things he was writing, the things he was saying. Jeremiah, as we begin here in verses 1 through 3, we've got a time frame that's been given to us. We see that he started with King Josiah and he ends with King Zedekiah when Judah was taken into captivity. Jeremiah had roughly five decades of ministry, ministering during the reign of five different kings of Judah. And he started out with King Josiah. And if you remember our Kings series from earlier this year, we walked through a message where we talked about these young, young kings that took the throne. I don't know if you remember that, but if you can imagine with me, an eight-year-old president of our nation. Josiah was eight years old when he took the throne. Okay? And this says in the 13th year of Josiah's reign, so you do the math, approximately a 21-year-old king. And here comes Jeremiah. But at the age of 16, Josiah was seeking the Lord. And at the age of 20, Josiah began to purify the nation. He began taking reforms and, and tearing down these uh, Asherah poles and these different uh, idols that the uh, people had set up to worship other gods. Josiah was cut to the heart with the wickedness of the nation of Judah, and he began to take reform. And then Joseph, uh, Jeremiah shows up. So I'd say he started at a good time, wouldn't you say? 
things he was wanting to, to speak to the nation, there were changes being made and changes that were being made uh, from the top. With that said, Jeremiah's ministry to the world could have been seen as unsuccessful. He enters in when there's this reform taking place, but we see his ministry end around the time that Judah goes into captivity. So from the start of his ministry towards the end, society as the nation of Judah knew it was deteriorating. Morally, economically, politically, spiritually, they were on a downhill slide. Could you imagine being a big prophet like Jeremiah and you've got a whole nation of people that aren't listening? They continue to live in disobedience and you feel like, am I getting anywhere? Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet and is also known to have written the book Lamentations. And he's the weeping prophet because he was just distraught at the fact that God's people were living in disobedience to God. It broke his heart. Sin broke his heart. He wanted people to live for the Lord. And he felt sorrow over the nation of Judah. Jeremiah was often discouraged. I mentioned nobody was really responding to his preaching and people were not really in the mood to listen to him. That includes the kings. His life was threatened several times and he endured more rejection than any other Old Testament prophet. And King Jehoiakim hated Jeremiah's preaching so much so that Jeremiah's first scroll as it was being read, King Jehoiakim would cut it up and burn it. And Jeremiah was beaten, he was imprisoned, he was thrown into a muddy cistern, and he was forcibly taken to Egypt where it's believed that he died in that country. This is a little bit about Jeremiah. And to endure all of this. I mean, how many of you are like, this really sounds like fun? Sign me up. To endure all of this, it's important to know that you've got to be called by God. And we see that base, if you will, established for Jeremiah here at this very young age. In verse 4, Jeremiah says the Lord came to him. And then our memory verse for this week, Before I formed you in the womb, God says to Jeremiah, I knew you. Before you were born, I, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I'm guessing Jeremiah would recall that verse or that moment with the Lord. I'm sure he wasn't in the cistern going, Jeremiah 1.5, Jeremiah 1.5. But I'm sure he was recalling that moment when God said, I've appointed you as a prophet. This is certainly a verse that is 
going to be an encouragement for Jeremiah, and there's a lot of things we can pull from this. This is a verse that's often used in regards to the topic of sanctity of life. Look at the beginning of that verse. That's not just a truth for Jeremiah. That's a truth for everyone. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That's amazing. That God would think that much of human life and that he knows us so intimately even before we begin to be woven together by his hand as the scriptures say, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Just as God had a specific plan for Jeremiah's life, he also has a very specific plan for each of our lives. Now, you may not be a prophet to the nations, but God has a call and a specific assignment for each of us, the reason why we're here, the reason why we draw breath, And the Life Application Bible says if God's specific call or assignment on your life doesn't seem clear, then seek to fulfill the mission that's common to all believers and that we should love, obey, and serve God. And as you do that, He will make His will clear. He will guide you. He will lead you. And sometimes we aren't stepping towards the call that's on our life because we're battling fear and we struggle with fear. Right out the gate, you see Jeremiah respond in fear. He goes, uh, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. And as I did study on this passage this week, some would put Jeremiah in his early 20s, that's, that's possible. Um, the ESV study Bible actually puts him still in the care of his parents. And I find that interesting. And here he is, this young man, saying, I, I can't do this, I'm too young. And then God just pretty much settles that fear. You're not too young. And he says, you must go where I send you and say whatever I tell you. And I also think Jeremiah was struggling with a little bit of a, a less than feeling, maybe a feeling of inadequacy, ill-equipped to do the task. I found this interesting that in the lineage of Jeremiah's family, it goes back to the lineage of Abiathar, a priest who was deposed by Solomon. So Jeremiah wasn't exactly in with the temple leaders. And so think, God's saying, Jeremiah, I want you to be my mouthpiece, and you're going to speak some things, not only to the nation, but also to the Jewish priests who are serving. They need you to speak to them, and it's probably thinking, I'm kind of an outsider. How do you expect this to go through? This was a steep hill to climb, and I'm sure Jeremiah felt like a nobody Makes me think of that song from Casting Crowns. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. (laughs) Jeremiah wasn't anything special in a worldly sense, 
But what made him special is God knew him and had a call upon his life. But we see Jeremiah, even though all of that is going in his favor, he's struggling with fear. Do we ever struggle with fear? Yes? No? I mean, I looked up some phobias this week. See if you know any of these. Claustrophobia. Fear of small spaces. Dentophobia. Any guess on that one? Fear of the dentist. That's right. Aphebophobia. That's the fear of teenagers. <laughs> Scolionophobia. Fear of school. Yeah. Might be some kids self-diagnosing in here right now. Pelidophobia. Fear of bald people. <laughs> or the fear of becoming bald. Now the struggle is real. The struggle is real. Glossophobia. The fear of public speaking. That one's a common one. We think about when it comes to being called by God to witness to other people, we might go, well, I have that fear of public speaking. You know, it's not like God's asking you to grab an amplified microphone and preach to thousands. What if he's just asking you to minister to the person that you're rubbing shoulders with day in and day out? But the problem is, is I think the church today has a gospel phobia. A fear of sharing the gospel with other people. And when I consider that in, in the American church, and all the luxuries we have and the comfort zones we have, and we're thinking, oh, you want me to step out and share my faith with somebody? That's going to be awkward, and there might be rejection, or they might toss questions my way that I don't know how to answer, and all of those we try to rationalize these things, and then we shrink back. And, and then this is a question that I have for us right now. When is the last time that we've had a gospel conversation with somebody? Can you think that through in your mind? When's the last time you had a gospel conversation with somebody? And if it's been a while, my question to you would be, why? I mean, God puts a call on our life, he redeems us to then have us serve in his kingdom. And part of that service is telling people about Jesus. Are we having those conversations? So earlier I asked, when's the last time? A question might be, have you ever had a gospel conversation? And if the answer is no on that, then my question then would be, why? What's holding you back? Is it a gospel phobia? Jeremiah had fear, but God was going to help him with that. You know, this message of my will or thy will, there's a certain point where you have to say, you know what? It is not about me anymore. 
as I follow Jesus, it's about serving him, and part of service to him is to telling other people about his love. So how often do I speak about that? God tells Jeremiah, don't be afraid, for I will be with you and I'll protect you. Then the Lord reached out and touched his mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. That'd be quite an encounter, wouldn't it? Part of me, in my mind, as he's you know, making excuses, when the Lord touched his mouth, was it like the shh, like right onto his lip, like just... And while he did that, now he has the Lord's words to speak. I'm taking a little liberty there, but I think the point is, the Lord is the one who's going to give you the words, Jeremiah. This is not about you. And in Romans 10, 8, I think there's some application for all of us. It says, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. And that is the word of faith which we preach. For the gospel to be on your mouth, to be on your lips, listen to me, it must be in your heart. Evangelism, that is sharing your faith, it's the spontaneous, or should I say supernatural, overflow of a glad and free heart in Jesus Christ. And so I had one person one time liken it to a glass of water. And if I had this glass of water and I filled it all the way to the brim, and then all of a sudden you bump it, the water is going to spill out. Right? But if that glass was maybe a third full or a half full and you bump it, it's not probably going to spill. Probably all stay contained in that glass. And so here's a truth about living for Christ and for his kingdom. If it is real and genuine in your life, there'll be an overflow that people just bump into you and ministry is happening. How full is your glass? Do, do people have to pick you up and turn you upside down and shake you? And they're like, okay, okay, I'll talk about Jesus. Or do people bump into you and they just know there's something different about that person? Seems like they're filled with joy. Maybe even when they're going through difficult things. God must touch your heart before you have something to say. But here's some practical things when it comes to sharing your faith. You could sit here and be like, yeah, yeah, I know, Russ. I need to share my faith. But give me some how-tos on that. Guide me on the practical nature of that. Well, the first step is prayer. you got to pray. This is God's work, and you're getting to join in on it. This isn't your work, and God joins in with you. So we have to depend on Him. We pray. We ask Him to move on people's hearts. We ask Him to show us people that He would want us to minister to. And while we're doing that, it's important that you and I, we, we study the Word of God so we know what to say. And it's also good to refresh yourself on what are some common questions people might have about the faith. And you learn about that. 
and how to answer those questions. And here's an important truth. How many of you have ever heard the statement, actions speak louder than words? So we serve, and that's a ministry to people's hearts. I know there's a quote that says, speak the gospel, and if necessary, use words. But another thing we can do is practice, practice, practice. I heard this week that for professional athletes or those that might be a professional musician, it's like hours and hours and hours and hours of practice goes into their craft. And I'm not trying to make this something where we think we've got an eloquent speech and we can really win people to the Lord with our winsome words, but it is important to review these things and how I can share so that you're equipped to share your faith with other people. That might mean sitting down with a fellow brother and sister in Christ and saying, can I just talk with you? Can I share my testimony with you so that I can just try it once, so that I'm not just trying it on somebody that I don't maybe know as well? And practice. In verse 10, God gave Judah an assignment to uproot, tear down, to destroy and overthrow and to build up and plant. Jeremiah would preach against sin. He would bring warnings of judgment and also of a coming hope. And then he has a couple of visions that God begins to show him. And the first one is an almond tree. And an almond tree is known as the wakeful tree because it awakens the fastest coming out of winter compared to all other trees. And God's point with what he's telling Jeremiah is, I'm watching over all these things that are taking place, but that also my judgment is coming very soon. And you need to tell people. And then it shifts to this boiling pot of water and this bubbling heat of God's scalding judgment that's going to boil over onto the nation of Judah. And God is calling these armies to the north that are going to take them into captivity. And this is judgment upon this nation because of their disobedience. In verse 16, God clearly expresses, I will pronounce judgment on my people for all of their evil, for deserting me and burning incense to other gods. Yes, they worship idols that are made with their own hands. And the application here is that when we ignore sin and we refuse to listen to God's warning, you invite disaster on your life. There was a very real spiritual enemy. His name is Satan, and he's got a whole demonic army with him. He was wrecking havoc upon the nation of Judah, and he still exists today, and he's wrecking havoc upon people's lives here in 2022. We should not settle for half measures in removing sin from our life. Unconfessed sin can bring judgment upon your life. We must all answer to God for the lives that we're living. And one of the greatest purposes of this book 
of Jeremiah is that Jeremiah is urging God's people to turn from their sins and go back to God. And so as I'm working through the notes on this one, I just put a moment in here to pause and address the issue of sin. Is there any area of unconfessed sin in your life that needs to be dealt with? Don't let this service end without dealing with that sin. God is serious about sin, so serious that he sent his son Jesus to come and die on a cross to pay the penalty and the price for that sin. But you can have victory over sin because of what Christ has done. Deal with the sin issue. We address sin in our life. And when we address sin in our life, we now have a freedom to do what God is asking us to do. In verse 17, you see a command that God gives Jeremiah. He says, get up and prepare for action. Go out and tell them everything that I say to you. Do not be afraid of them or I will make you look foolish in front of them. There's four simple steps to what God is saying to Jeremiah. Get up, prepare, speak, and fear not. Too often in our culture with this comfort Christianity that first step is a big one getting up because you can't be the hands and feet of Christ when you're sitting on your hands we got to get up and say okay and then we prepare that means we're looking for those moments looking for those ministry opportunities, praying over these things. And then we have to have some Holy Spirit courage to actually open our mouth and say something. You know, Jeremiah isn't the only one who struggled with the idea of speaking to people. You can go all the way back to Moses at the burning bush. And God says, I'm going to have you... Lead my people out of slavery and out of the nation of Egypt. And Moses is like, I I can't speak. I'm not good with words. And then what did God say to him? Who made your mouth? That settled that. Who made your mouth? God did, and he can use it. And so as we work forward, we recognize that for us today, Jesus, when he came to this earth and he died for our sin, when he rose again, he made several appearances in his resurrected body to his disciples. And on the last appearance was on the Mount of Olives before he was about to ascend into heaven. And he gives them what we know as the Great Commission. You can see it in Matthew 28. But he tells them, I want you to go and make disciples. That command was not only for those men who were standing there, but that's for all of us here today. We're to go and make 
disciples. And there's a little part at the very end of the Great Commission that I think matches up right here with the end of what God is saying to Jeremiah. There's a reassurance that God gives his people that as you walk out your faith journey and you attempt to do ministry, I want you to know something. I'm going to be with you. He tells Jeremiah, I've made you strong. I'm going to help you to stand. People may come against you, but you're going to prevail because I'm with you and I'm going to take care of you. And when Jesus gave the Great Commission to his disciples and all who want to be his disciples today, as we are going out and sharing about Jesus to others, Jesus himself said, I will be with you. I'm going to be with you. Charles Spurgeon makes a challenging statement. It says, have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you are not saved yourself. Be sure of that. If God's redeeming work is real for you in your life, He changes your heart and it's now responsive. And we want to do things for the Lord. Do you want to do things for the Lord? Well, an assignment He's given us is to share. Will you do your will or will you do His? A verse in a devotional I had this morning says, from 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 through 15, it says, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. It's no longer about you. Isn't that a good thing? Sometimes it might be a hard thing to hear. But it says Christ died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. If you're saved, you have a job. God is asking you to join him in helping people come to know him. Will you speak up? Will you pray about people in your life that God would maybe want you to minister to? Not just invite them to church and maybe they'll get saved during the sermon. But what if they got saved on your patio as you're sharing the Lord with them? Or got saved in a restaurant or in the passenger seat of your car over the lunch hour? You are ministers. Not just Jeremiah, not just me, we are all ministers. We are all ministers. This final question for application here today is just to simply ask this question, who is the Lord wanting you to speak with? And we're going to pray here in a moment, and I'm going to ask the Lord to reveal a name, 
or names, and I encourage you to write those down and begin to pray over those names. There's a power in prayer. The power of prayer, as I pray and ask the Lord to reveal to us people we should be sharing with, God knows people's hearts better than we do. And He knows what your week's going to look like. He knows the people that are going to cross your path. Pray and ask for the Lord's guidance and grace and the boldness to speak up. People need to know Jesus. Jeremiah lived in a culture that was in decay. And hello, we're in a culture that is eroding. People need to know who Jesus is. Let's pray. Father, as we consider the words of Jeremiah and the things you spoke to him and through him, there's application for each one of us today. One of the first points, Lord, is that you desire to have a relationship with each one of us. And it's the overflow of that relationship that leads to a life filled with ministry. And so right now, if there's anyone listening, that as you reflect on your own life and you consider the question, do I have a relationship with Jesus? That relationship is possible because Jesus died on the cross for you. And He desires a relationship with you. If you would want to have that relationship today, I invite you to pray with me to receive Him. Simply say in your heart, Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me of my sin. Please cleanse me. I repent. I want to turn from these things and live a godly life. So help me to walk out this spiritual journey living for your kingdom. Thank you for this gift of salvation that comes by grace through faith in Jesus. Thank you, Father, for what your spirit is doing in this place. And Lord, as we go about our week, may it be a week filled with ministry that's led by your spirit. There are people who need to know Jesus and you want to use us in helping lead people to the Lord. So give us the courage to step out in faith and to join you in this redeeming work. And Lord, right now we take a moment for you to emphasize a name of somebody that you desire us to minister to. And as these names come to mind, help us to write them down or have them embedded in our mind. Who is it that you want us to minister to? 
Lord, may we cross paths with these individuals and equip us to have these gospel conversations. All of this is to your honor and to your glory. Not our will, but yours be done. In Jesus' name, amen.